G'day everybody. Um, sorry I can't be with you uh, this morning. Uh, I, I had a sore throat on Friday night and woke up Saturday morning with a sore throat. I had a rat and not a literal rat, one of the, a rapid antigen test and that came back negative. And so I went to the presbytery meeting and we were part of um, seeing presbytery approve the um, proposal that we amalgamate. So I wish I could celebrate with you this morning. Um, I'm thrilled uh, that that happened. And so that's a really, really exciting thing. And then today we start Lent. And so um, I'm coming to you video because later on on Saturday I was feeling even worse. And so I went to get a uh, CRT test. I think that's what it's called. Um, PRC? PCR. PCR test. And um, uh, yeah, I've either found out whether I have it or not, or I haven't. But either way, if you're watching this, it's because of those, uh, yeah, my inability to do so. And I was feeling pretty seedy anyway, so I didn't want to come and spread that seediness around. I didn't think that was wise or fair. And so it's now Saturday night, and I'm recording this uh, with the hopes that it would bless you, that God would meet you, and that it would kick off our Lent series. Because we're into Lent, that means it's six weeks to Easter. And we've got some exciting things happening in the course of our lead up to Easter and all that that means. Obviously, I can't do communion this morning, so I'll be doing communion next week, providing I'm all well, and I will be all well. He says in faith, so I'll see you next week. But let's, um, let's jump in. Um, as you would have heard Shirley read already from Ephesians 1, it starts with this from verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I have heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. Let's just pause for a moment and just reflect. What if Paul was to write that to us now? It would stir our faith, wouldn't it? If, if we heard Paul say, uh, I, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering in you in my prayers because of your faith in the Lord and your love for all God's people, we would be built up, we would be encouraged, we would be thrilled, we would be stirred that our faith in Christ is noteworthy enough for Paul, the Apostle Paul, to mention it. And our love for everybody is so exemplary that he would want the rest of the church to know about it. So dream with me for a moment. What would need to change around here for Paul to write to us and say, I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love you have for all people? What would need to look different? Just think about it for a moment. Now hold that thought. You, as well as I, are responsible for that happening. Yeah. If you thought about something there and you realised something, you came to a conclusion, that conclusion is now your responsibility. Something that God has put in your heart for you to action. Not for anybody else, but for you. And we each have our own thing now to action, to own, and that will help usher us into a space where Paul could say those words about our faith and about our love. That's why Paul could write it to the church, because everyone in the church realized that it was their problem to solve. And as a result, they all joined in together, serving it. And their faith increased because everyone was in on it and they were relying on God. And as their faith increased, their love increased, because your love increases as your faith increases. When we say that we are a daring, sharing and caring community with Jesus, 
that's actually a statement of faith. That's, that's faith that we each can invest into in our individual lives so that we can each invest into them as our corporate life, as our life as a church. And when we do, the church becomes a place where people hear about our faith in the Lord and our love for all God's people. Paul continues on. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believes. Paul wants you to know God better and know what God is going to do in your lives better. In the ancient world, uh, there were two different understandings of this idea of knowing or to know or knowledge. There was the Gnostic tradition. Have you heard of that? It was built solely around the more you knew, the more spiritually enlightened you were considered. And so the quest for knowledge and to know more things and to think about thinking, so philosophy, was a prized possession. It's actually where the, um, the tradition of Gnosticism came out of in the first couple of centuries and how all our Socrates and Plato and the philosophers that we might mention and refer to in our current culture, that's where it came out of, this pursuit of knowledge because knowledge had with it this spiritual enlightenment. That was one version or one understanding. If you were to say to an Aussie um, that, that phrase to know or not have knowledge or knowing, um, they would automatically kick into the amount of knowledge that's in your head about whether that person who had knowledge was a really good addition to a trivia team that you might need, that they were a handy mate to have if you ever got in a jam with a particular set of circumstances that you could ask them to come and help. It was about knowing more data and information and facts. But that's not what's going on here when Paul says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's not the knowledge the addition that God wants those people to have. It's not that God wants us to know about God better, but God wants us to know God better. Paul's not asking for a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can have more information or knowledge or facts or data about God so we can live our lives better. That's not what he's talking about. Paul wants us to have a deeper connection with and relationship to God because of our knowledge. Now, to give you a bit of insight on what this means, if you were to open the King James Version, you would go to the fourth chapter of the Bible and look at the first verse, so Genesis 4, verse 1, you would read this. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have received a man from the Lord. So, and Adam knew Eve. Wink, wink. We know what that, that particular kind of knowing is. That's not just a head knowledge, is it? That's a thorough, utter, complete knowing. 
a soul knowing, a body knowing, a very being knowing each other and coming together. And the result of that coming together is a son is born. That's the kind of knowing that Paul is talking about when he talks about us knowing God better. That kind of knowing. The deepest core part of us knowing the presence and the love of God being held in that security. Paul is asking us, Paul is asking God to give us the pathway to experience God with that sort of depth and that sort of intensity. And and that, that word revelation, it means laying bare, it means making naked, it means a total disclosure of truth and instruction, making things that were previously unknown now known. Paul is praying for the church, for you and for me, that we would know in that kind of way God in a far more intimate and powerful and significant way than we currently do. That's what knowing God is about. Now, we understand this already. You get this already. We just don't apply it to God, but we get it in relationships, right? There's, there's a couple, there's a boy and a girl, and they start to hang out with each other, and there's something there. They're attracted to one another, and so they start hanging out. And what do they do? They just talk. They talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk. They talk about all sorts of things, completely boring, irrelevant. Why on earth would you ever want to listen to one of those conversations? But they're seeking to know each other. The yearning of their heart desires that they know each other. And that's what pours out of them in these questions. And they spend longer and longer and talking and talking until they can predict each other, till they can trust each other, till they can know what the other is thinking. Because they've asked all these questions and got all this context about how they know. And with that knowing comes a trust. And with that trust comes a love and a commitment to them. And wise couples... Wise couples allow the depth of their physical intimacy to accompany the knowledge they have of that other person. So too often people move too quickly to sex and they throw the whole thing out of kilter. Because what happens is as you get to know someone, that knowledge reveals their character and their heart and what's valuable to them. And you think, wow, that's amazing. I know this person. I know them inside and out. I know everything about them. I know what they value, what they love, what they hold onto. I know them. I can trust them. Because I know them, I can trust them. I can commit to this person. I can commit everything to this person. I can commit the rest of my life to this person. I'm going to marry them. And that's this gateway that the Bible talks about for sexual intimacy. The full and utter knowing of someone and trusting of someone. Now we get that. That makes a lot of sense, I hope. So why do we then apply a different understanding when it comes to God, to knowing God? Because we don't think about getting to know God in the same way that we would a boy and a girl getting to know each other. So let's be a little bit cheeky for a moment. Let's just imagine with me, if you will, that if God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity were a person that you would relate to in your life. Now, I know they're a person already that you relate to in your life, but let's say they were a physical being that was situated in your life somewhere. Remember, we're maybe a little bit cheeky. We're trying to think this through. Who would they be to you? Who would they be to you? Would they be 
like the, the boyfriend or the girlfriend. You know, the, the, this is fun. We're getting to know each other. God and I are getting to know each other. We're growing familiar with each other. We're growing comfortable with each other. We can, we can hang around. We, we, we're good. We're good like that. There's no commitment yet, but, but things are traveling in the right direction. Is that who God is to you? Or, or would God be a parent role in your life? You wait on God to tell you what to do and how to do it. You don't want to disobey. You don't want to disappoint God. You don't want to upset God. You're going to do all you can to, to revere God and to follow God because that's what you do because God is that parent role in your life. Or is God like a child to you? That might sound very offensive, but you might think, I look after God in my life. I, I, I do what God needs me to do for him. We're all fine. God's going good. Uh, be be great as our relationship matures. You know, you're actually thinking, oh, maybe I, maybe I'm acting treating God like a child. What about an estranged friend? Will God be an estranged friend? You know, these days with Facebook and social media, you can have friends who you keep in regular contact with, but never ever speak to, because you just keep up to date with what's happening in their lives, and they keep up to date with what's happening in your lives. And you used to be close, but you're all good. There's no conflict. There's no struggle. It's just God. It's God's there. If I ever need God, I could call on God. It'll be comfortable. It's no worries. God's in my life, sort of. I'm familiar with God. I think about God a bit. What about someone that you might go to for various needs? Needs that you have. Someone that you, you go to when, when life is a, a crunch or you have a certain inner needs and you go to God for that to be filled and you think you're committed, but you're actually not committed at all. If you looked at every other scale or metric in your life, you go, I'm not that actually committed, but I do go to God when I need God. Or would God be like an uncle or an auntie? You know, you know, you have no obligation to God. You see him once in a while, you hang out at church once a week, it's really good. You get on really, really well. God often has some really wise and helpful things to say into your life. But you live a separate life from God. But God is there and present and an important aspect, a small aspect of your life. What about, is God a teacher? Yeah, you love going to class. You love learning more. You love seeing the teacher. And think you hang on those words. You actually want to live the words and the teaching and, and have the right morals and the right ethic and live the same thing that God tells you to teach. You're like, I'm going to crush this Christian life. I'm going to do it so well. Or is God that of a spouse to you? Is God filling that spouse role? Someone that you can be thoroughly you in front of with no shame and no embarrassment. You can be completely and utterly you. What spouses should be to one another. Someone you, you trust with your deepest innermost secrets and the ponderings of your heart and your soul and your mind. Someone that you seek refuge in when everything else is just too difficult. But I, I can always, I have God still. Because God is with me and God, I'm safe with God. Someone that you want to experience everything with. That you want God to be by your side in everything you do and, and have that experience with God. Someone you long to talk to about how your day's gone and what's happened and the things and struggles and challenges in it just to get their perspective and have their listening ear 
and have them just affirm you at the end of the day. Someone you consult with on difficult decisions, whether they're financial or relational or employment or whatever they are. That's the target on the wall for us this Lent. If we go, what is this whole series as we lead up to Easter aiming at? It's that we would move into more of a spousal relationship with God. Just a deep trust and unbelievably close knowing that we would come to know God deeper and deeper and deeper, regardless of how we see God in our lives, that we would move to that place of just mutual commitment and vulnerability and trust and willingness to to do everything with God. And we have some things to help. We have a Bible reading plan that's getting handed out this morning. You should have got it this morning. Um, And it's a Bible reading plan that the entire church, so 4 p.m. and 9 a.m., everybody's doing it. There's probably going to be a few other people outside the community that are doing it. We want to encourage every single person to be doing this Bible reading plan, to be reading it every day and to be talking about it, engaging with it. I'd love to encourage you to journal. So, like, get a journal. Buy a journal. It's my journal. I think it's in my bag. I usually keep it in my bag. I've got to find my journal. Must be downstairs. It is downstairs. I was writing in it on the couch today. (laughs) Journal. Like, learn to journal. Write, read the scripture and th- jot down some thoughts about it. I've got a video that uh, we can make available. It's like seven minutes where I just talk about how you journal. It's that easy. So we have those resources. I'd love to encourage you to read the Bible every single day and journal about it. If you've already got your set of readings, which is amazing, do this one as well. So we can all be on the same literal page together as God is stirring something in us. Now, until I got sick and... Sorry, I realize I'm a bit congested now, and uh, I think that's the way these things go. Um, so I don't, yeah, I was going to on Monday um, be at the church at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 1 p.m., and 4.30 p.m. to meet and pray and worship and reflect with anybody who wanted to come. And and you just come, and we have an hour or so just with God and with one another. So I'm probably not going to do that. Monday, but I, I am committed to doing it the next five Mondays through to Easter. So I'll, I'll let you know, but don't turn up expecting me there tomorrow because I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I'm going to be there or that it's a good idea tomorrow. But it will happen. It will happen. This opportunity to pray together and learn together and lean to God together. And then we have a weekly challenge. Each week there's going to be a challenge. And the challenge isn't something like, oh, gee, I have to go out and change the world. The challenge is something much more introspective but powerful. So this week's challenge is to write down a list of all the things you know about God. It's easy, right? To use your journal that you've just bought or you've dusted off or you've pulled off the nightstand or wherever you keep it. Write down a list of all the things you know about God. What is God? A question that might help you in all of this is what does God think about you and toward you? So what does God think about you and toward you? So I did this last week. I did that this week. Uh, This is my list for what it's worth. I know God loves me, that God comes through for me, that God provides for me, that God challenges me and understands me and fights for me. And goes ahead of me and waits for me and longs for me and enjoys me. And I could go on and on and on. So so I think it's just important to to 
write down and grasp what God knows about you and what you know about God because that will lead you into a deeper knowing of God. It will cause you to celebrate those things. When Paul says, I keep asking that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's incomparable great power for us who believe. When when I engage with this challenge, write down a list of all the things you know about God, the things Paul prays for me to have, when I look at my list, are the very things that God has delivered. So, so this exercise is realizing that what we want from God, God has already given to us. But we've not been aware of those things. We've not had our eyes of our heart opened to those things. So take this challenge seriously. Write down a list of all the things that you know about God and the questions in, in breakers for you. When that's coupled with reading the scripture, with journaling, with talking to others about it, that's when trust and intimacy with God really start to blossom because the eyes of your heart are opened. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know hope that he's called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That phrase, I of the heart, refers to the coming together of your soul and of your mind and of your heart. It's the internalness coming together and becoming aware of something external. So the eyes of your heart being enlightened is you in your innermost being realizing, ah, God is wanting to have this business with me and this work with me and meet me where I am. The eye of your heart is the deepest region in you that can know God. It's your very heart and your very soul. It's the part of you that determines what the rest of you is like. And Paul's heartfelt desire is that you would permit God to illuminate that, light it up, light it up with his presence, with who he is, so that you could truly know God and know what he has in store for you, so that you could commune with him in the deepest recesses of your soul. Does that not want you to draw, be drawn into God, like become hungry for God? I want God, I want more of you. The eyes of your heart, the deepest part of you, is where those massive questions reside. Why am I here? What should I do with my life? Am I worth something and to who? Am I lovable and by whom? And the questions go on and on and on. Paul is saying that his prayer, when he is praying to God for you, is that you would experience the asking and the answering of those questions with God. You'll be doing them with God. And when you do that, something beautiful is revealed. You'll know the hope to which he has called you to. You'll know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And you'll know his incomparable great power for us who believe. You see, God is calling you toward hope. What he has you doing is enabling his hope to grow 
in you. So the thing that you do, whether that's being a parent or an employee, whether it's being a good neighbor or a great spouse, whether it's looking after someone that's deeply, um, uh, uh, deeply significant to you, whether it's just com- helping out in the community and serving out in the community, whether it's being part of a lawn bowls club down the road, it doesn't matter what it is, but that is how God is calling you toward hope in him. And you have an inheritance. You have all the security you could ever need to do that, to achieve that, to be part of that. And you have his power. You have his power to actually do it. Now, I'll give you an example of how this kind of works. I used to, back in the day, one of my myriad of interesting jobs I had when I was a young whippersnapper was shed painting and building. Yes, I am a qualified spray painter. (laughs) For those of you that had no idea, which is probably all of you, yeah, I was qualified spray painter. So I worked for a business called Melride, and that was a shed-making company. And my job was to paint, spray paint, not tags on walls, but the trusses and the beams and the poles and all of that. It was quite a, a, a uh, art to it, which I got wrong for a long time and then got right. And then I would go out with the um, truck drivers and we were going to deliver these things, these massive, heavy metal um, contraptions. And then as time went on, I'd help um, install them and build them. And, um, and, and that was my job. But what I really loved about my job wasn't actually the work, but it was all the opportunities I got with God to do incredible things in people's lives. It, it, it was, I was everybody there, everybody that I worked with um, was uh, people who had never been in the orbit of a person who knew Jesus ever. So I was basically the first Christian that most of the guys there ever knew. And they thought it was fascinating because I didn't swear. I thought differently, I acted differently, my whole world view was differently. I didn't like and find funny the things that they did. I didn't look at all the naughty pictures and all the stuff that they did. Like it, it was it, it was this calling to be different in this place. Sorry. And and when I realized this is my calling, this is what I'm meant to do for this season, the riches of his glorious inheritance were right there for me. I saw God do amazing things. God had given me everything I needed to be there. And if I lent into him, if I trusted in him, if I put my hope in him, if I recognized that what I was doing is what I was meant to do and what I was called to do, as that took place, then God's power would move and God's power did move. And the questions that I get, the conversations that we've been in. I got to pray with a guy who'd uh, walked away from a uh, his girlfriend for years and years ago. He was an older guy. He walked. He got his girlfriend pregnant and he walked away. And we got talking and over a series of days and he ended up going back to his son um, who had a biblical name and it started with, he said, you know the Bible, what's the, what's the name of this son? What's my, my boy called? And and he was able to be reunited because of God's power at work. Because because I, I looked to that place when I'm out of my depth. These guys are just rough and tough, rough as nails, rough as fish guts, as they would say. And and I was in the space of like, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I just want to do your thing. 
And so I'd read the Bible and I'd be like gearing up for this. I'd be praying for them and praying and I'd be asking others to pray. And I'd be, it was like game time every time I went to work. And, and it was just amazing the opportunity I had to share my faith and to pray for these guys and to pray into circumstances and see God move with power in their lives. And it was just incredible because I was the only Christian that they knew. It was the only Jesus person that they knew. And the more I pressed into God, the more God did amazing things. It was one of the greatest jobs. In fact, it maybe was the greatest job I ever had and had nothing to do with the work. <laughs> it was, oh, what a privilege. What a privilege. Where God has you is where God wants to use you. Don't stress. We so often go, well, the calling is what you do up there, Ralph. That's not up here on the screen, but you know. Minister, that's a proper calling. But I'm not called. I'm not that special. You are. You are called. You are called to a greater hope and to live in that hope and live toward that hope in everything you do. So right now you're in the center of where God has called you to be. And you become dynamic in that. You become powerful and significant. The effect you have in that, the more you know God, the more you lean into and trust in and grow in your faith in God. When we grow in our knowing of God's presence, we grow in our knowing of what we're called to, the security and providence that we have to do that, and the power of God that accompanies that. Because it's not just you in this world who needs you to grow in your knowing of God. It's not just you in this world who needs you to grow in your knowledge of God. Everyone you know needs to. Now Lent is about putting things down and picking things up. So every week I'm going to invite you and I wish I was with you this morning in person so we could do some ministry time and talk through this a bit more. But what is it that God wants you to put down, to lay down? You've been carrying it. It's no good. You don't want to carry it perhaps or you do and it's just not helpful for you. It might be a framework or a way of thinking. It might be something you've done. It might be something you're currently doing. It might be something that's taken up your time. You know, Or it might be an item or a thing or a relationship that the God's like no no put it down put it down but there also might be something that God is saying now pick that up pick up your journal and dust it off pick up your Bible again start reading pick up that relationship that friendship pick up that opportunity pick up your heart pick up your calling pick up that thing that space that opportunity whatever it is and so what do, you, what do you need to, after hearing this message, after looking toward Easter and experiencing Lent, what do you need to put down and what do you need to pick up? Those are very important things and I want to pray for you around that today. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that I can be with your people and our church, even though I can't actually be with them. As I pray these things, my heart goes out to them that you would help them put down whether it's a grief or a deep pain, a regret, a loss, a chasm, a wanting, a longing, a bad decision, something they're currently doing, something they own that you're like, just put that down and it'll give freedom for you to reign. Lord, give us the strength to put down that which we need to. And Lord, show us right now by the conviction of your Holy Spirit, what we need to pick up, what we need to take hold of and pick up. Lord, give us the strength to do that. 
may we see your power unfold in our lives as we grow in our knowledge of you because of this action. Let's put down something to know you better. Let's pick something up to know you better. May your kingdom reign in our lives, we pray, now and forevermore. Amen. Bless you all, and I look forward to seeing you next week. See ya.